those who are online, location Baltimore. We're expecting to hear from Baltimore today, amen, because I'm from Baltimore. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's the last Sunday of 2020. I am the cleanup hitter. Come on. My job is to clear the bases. Amen. And to make sure that we are ready to move into 2021. I feel like that old prospector with his donkey that wanted, he wanted to enter his donkey into the Kentucky Derby. And he went to the derby master and he said, I would like to enter my donkey into the derby. And the derby master said to him, he said, sir, these are turbred horses. Your donkey cannot win. He says, I know he can't win, but at least he will be among good company. I am among good company. We have had some great preachers here over the year. We have been blessed. So I feel great to be among such great preachers. I know I can't measure with them because I don't have a hole in my pants. As you can see, you know, I don't have any holes in my pants. So that means I'm not going to be on that par, but I still have a job to do. And that is to clear the bases. Amen. Praise God. I'm the unholy preacher. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise God. We are ready to get into the word. I know God has a word for us today. Amen. And this is going to be a word to minister to you. I know many of you are mulling over what you need to do as we get ready for 2021. Maybe I'm not going to make plans because I don't know what's going to happen in 2021. I'm going to wait to see what happens. Now, if that is you, I have a word for you today. This message is for you today. I want to say to you that perspective really is important. What you say about yourself and what you say to yourself is very, very important. What you think about yourself is very, very critical, is very important. And what I believe is that we need to enter this new year, we need to be asking ourselves, where am I spiritually? What has happened to me over the last year? What have I lost? What have I gained? You see, when a storm, after storm, or earthquake is over, what do you do? You go outside of your house and you examine the foundation to see what has happened, to see if it was any cracks, to see if you have any problems there. You examine to see what's going on. That's what we need to do. We need to examine our faith to see what has happened to us over this past year. I know many have not yet returned out to worship. We rely and we depend on the fellowship of one another to, to, to spur us on and to get us motivated, and we have not had that. And I think that this is a great time for people to rethink how they view life how they view their lives and to reestablish some priorities, amen, as to how we should move forward. In May of 2021, the World Economic Forum, they are planning to address an economic reset for the world. 
They are planning to address an economic reset in Davos, Switzerland, and, and they're calling it the Great Economic Reset. The Great Economic Reset. And in this reset, they're looking at gathering all of the greatest minds from all over the world. And they're gathering this to come up with some solutions for a global recovery and global unity. And, 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 and they're, the, the intent of this forum, they're saying, is that they want to change the way the world operates. They want to change it after their way of thinking. And they're hoping that a great reset will happen, reset in health and a reset in economics and a reset in social, social uh, um, uh, uh, issues in the whole world. This global reset, the way that they're thinking, they're planning to create a perfect world, perfect environment and perfect health system, a perfect financial system perfect social and economic system. And for this, they said they want the collaborative effort of all the best minds in all of the world. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, where man wanted to do an end run around God to create their own, in their own image and in their own view, what they consider to be perfect. Now, I am going to say to you today, yes, we need a reset. But I don't see an economic reset, an environmental reset, or a, a, a social reset helping us. What we need is a spiritual reset. We need a spiritual reset. And to help us with this, I want to call your attention today to a New Testament book, first epistle of Peter, written by Peter. Peter is an eminent, practical book. And in your devotional time, it should not be too long before you, you get into the book of First Peter. Second Peter too, but First Peter is a very practical book for our Christian life, our Christian walk, to help reconnect us. Peter, in his first epistle, lays out an incomparable structure for us as believers and how we should view life and how we should move forward. So let's look at 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 18 and 19. And it says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed or purchased, bought, with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Father, we bless you right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Our hearts are open and receptive to your word. We're here, God, at the last Sunday of 2020, and we need to hear a word from you. We pray now you will download in our spirit that which you desire for us to hear. Give us ears that we can hear, hearts that we can receive, and a mind or will to do that which you have instructed us. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. We are ready and open to what you have to say. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. 
amen and amen and amen. Now, it is true that as you think, so you are. The way that we think, the thinking, thinking appropriately is very, very important. How you see yourself as a Christian is essential if you're going to be what God wants you to be. Amen? So the title of this message this morning is, It's Time for Spiritual Reset. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, It's Time, Baltimore, tell them, It is Time for Spiritual Reset. What you think of yourself will determine what you do. When we see what, what we're going to see here in our text, we'll establish like a grid or a paradigm for the life of the believer and how we should respond today. Number one, the first thing I want to say here is that what I think is the beginning and this, it, it is foundational for every one of us, for the way that we view our lives. First thing we need to say is that we need to remember who owns you. Remember who owns you. Remember who owns you. You will notice Peter tells us in 1 Peter, going back to that passage that we read in, in the beginning, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed or purchased or bought with corruptible things, he's saying, like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now he goes on in verse 21 and he says this, through him you have become believers in God. Now what this is telling us, bottom line, is that God owns us, amen. God owns us because he purchased us. We belong to him. And Acts 20 and 28 says that God bought us with his blood. In chapters 2 of, of 1 Peter verse 9, he says, this is what it says. Since, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possessions. So as Christians, we are possessions owned by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20 says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You need to remember that you're not your own. You have been bought with a price. So we know from the New Testament that we are chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, if you know Jesus Christ, your name has already been written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Now, you are chosen to be given to Christ as a part of his bride. How did this happen? How did this happen? In time, the Holy Spirit brought conviction upon your life, and you were bought to, brought to salvation, and you came to be the possession of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, I think around verse, verse 37, it says, You were given to him by God, the Father, and he paid the price, his blood, so that God could take you, own you, and give you and give me back to Christ as a gift of his love. So we have been given to Christ. I think that this should be the foundation of how a Christian view his life. You are not your own. You're bought with a price, with the price, and you're not your own. And, and, and at all junctures of your life, 
You have to constantly remind yourself that I am not my own. I'm not the master of my own fate. I'm not the captain of my own destiny. I am not in charge of my life. I belong to God. That must be the foundation, amen. And what this means that yes, it means that I need to be giving up my prerogatives. There is a giving up of one spiritual ambition, but at the same time, there's a promise that has been made to us that God knows what's best for us. And he can accomplish in our lives far better than we can do ourselves. So when we surrender and we say that we are not our own, that we belong to Christ who bought us with his blood an immense price. He paid his, his, his the price for us was, was his blood, an incredible price, then we belong to him. That's the first thing we need to remember as we enter into 2021. Remember that you are not your own. Remember who owns you. Remember who owns you. Let me give you the second one that relates to this. And this too is part of the, the perspective grid that every Christian needs to have as you look at pressing that reset button of your life as we go into 2021. Secondly, you need to renew your commitment of obedience. Turn to the person, tell them, renew Baltimore, tell the person sitting next to you, renew your commitment of obedience. Renew your commitment of obedience. Now, I know that you may be saying, wait a minute, where does this come up? In, where does this come in the text? Well, let's go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We see what Peter has to say about this because what he's saying to us is very, very interesting. Peter is an apostle. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to believers who reside in the world as aliens. He said to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. Now, now that is the whole point of our salvation, to bring you and I into obedience to Christ. This is, a, this is a, not a burdensome obedience. This is a joyful obedience because obedience produces what? Obedience produces blessings. The more we obey Christ, the more we are blessed, amen? Obedience produces blessings in this life, grace upon grace, favor upon favor. As we obey Christ, amen, it produces eternal rewards in eternal life. Now, Stephen is my son, the pastor of this church. He's my son. Uh, he has two kids. Two kids and... Uh, I have four beautiful grandkids, four beautiful grandkids. And I, you know Stephen uses his children a whole lot in his sermon illustrations. Every Sunday he, he, he uses his children as his illustration. He uses his dad as his illustration. I have so much 
on Stephen. I can write volumes. I just want to say to you this. You ought to be glad that he's saved. I know this is not on the tape, so he's not going to see it. You ought to be glad that he's saved. Because he, he, he had, had a spirit. He still has it, a spirit of, of, of competition with his siblings. And, 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 and he always was the one to start it, to start any issue. Now, I have holes in my wall that, that indicate you have three, three young men, you know, high testosterone testosterone, and they're always rustling and, and, and breaking walls in my house. But I'm not going to go on Stephen right now. I'll get back to him later. But I want to use two of my other kids, Patrick and Stephanie. Patrick, one Christmas, we bought a PlayStation for Patrick. He was so excited. He used that PlayStation, and he, he played with it so hard that he broke it. After weeks, he broke the PlayStation. And it seemed like the peace of God had departed from our house. When that happened, all the peace, he was walking around for weeks, sulking and, and all down. And I said, Patrick, that can't happen here. We can't, I need the peace of God in this house. We must have it. You, can't, you cannot be like this whining and complaining. I want to say to you that if my kids whine, they didn't learn it from us, from, from their mom or their dad, because we don't believe in whining, amen. I believe if, if, if you have a problem, find a, find a solution and fix it. Get it done. So I said, Pat, this is what you need to do. Call the manufacturer and speak to the customer service and tell them that you broke, something happened and you broke the PlayStation and you want them to send you a new one. Like any young person that has so much intelligence, he said, Dad, they will never do that. Why? I'm not going to do it. Why should I do that? I said, Pat, listen to what I'm saying to you. Call them. Stop arguing with me and call them and just tell them what happened. And after a while, he decided to do it. He called them. He told them he was playing with it, and he worked it so hard, and, and, and uh, he broke it. And I would like for you to send me a new one. What? And that's what he did. He called them. He told them what happened. He wanted them to send him a new one. And guess what? They said to him, we're so sorry that you broke it. And we're going to put a new one in the mail to you immediately. He was so excited. He got a new PlayStation. And all of a sudden, the peace of God returned to the house. And we were at peace one more time, and Patrick went on to play his PlayStation, all because he was obedient, because he was obedient. Let's go to Stephanie. Stephanie, when she was in school at University of Richmond, she had an interview for an internship at Goldman Sachs, and for some unknown reason, she missed the interview. And I figured it had to be a good reason, I mean, something that was very, very important that caused her to miss the interview. So she called me. 
Now, I have the question. My question is, why is it that when your children are in trouble, they call the father? When they have bad news, they call the father. But when they have good news, they call the mother. What's up with that? How come we get the calls when they're in trouble? So she called me and she said, Dad, I, I missed it because you were talking about this interview. And she said, I missed the interview. And she's all down and all upset, again, whining. And I tell you, if they learn how to whine, they learn it from school. They didn't learn it from us. I said, Steph, this is what you do. Get a bus ticket. And get on the bus. Forget about us and go to Manhattan, New York. Go to Goldman Sachs' office. Call the person that you had the interview with, tell them that you travel all the way from Virginia all the way to Manhattan because you missed the interview and would you mind if you can meet with me for a few minutes and, have, and allow me to have that interview? She said, Dad, it can never happen. And she gave me 101 reasons why it will never happen, while they will never allow her to have the interview. I said, would you just stop and do what I tell you? Get a ticket, get on the bus, go to New York and call them. Go to the office and call them. Tell them that I'm downstairs. And I came. I'm so sorry I missed the interview. But if you have a few minutes, could, could we meet to have that interview? And she did. She got on the bus, went to New York, went to Goldman Sachs. Went in there and called the interviewer from downstairs and told him exactly what I told her. He was blown away at the fact that she took the initiative to come from Virginia all the way to New York. Long story short, she got the interview, she got the job. Come on, somebody. She got the job. And there was no one more happy than Stephanie traveling back to Maryland with her new job. Amen? What am I saying? I'm saying simply that we are children of the Most High God. When we, are, when we obey the Word of God, He says there's no good thing that He would withhold from us. Obedience. Obedience is what God expects of us, amen. He expects us to be responsive to his word. When he tells us to do something, he expects us to do it, amen. And we must realize that when, when you came to Christ, you confess your sin and your sinfulness. You responded to him. You ask him to save you from your sins and become your Lord and become your Savior. Now, inherit Inherent in that is an oath or a commitment of obedience. You're saying, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. What that means is that if he is your Lord, then you are the subject. You are his subject. You are his servant. Amen? You are his servant. There is inherent in that confession an oath of obedience. Most interesting in our text in 1 in Peter chapter 1 Peter says this, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. 
Now, what, does, what is that talking about? Sprinkle with his blood. Is that speaking regarding his death on the cross? And, you know, because there is nothing about being sprinkled with the blood of Christ in any of the New Testament books. So what is it that Peter's referring to? What, what, what does he mean when he says, obey Christ and be sprinkled with his blood? Well, Peter is an Old Testament scholar. Peter knows his Old Testament. He's an Old Testament scholar. I want you to go back with me. I'll show you where Peter got this from. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. Most interesting events between God and his ancient people, Israel, we see here. Now Moses, you know, Moses has been given the law in Exodus chapter 20. He's been given the law. He went up to the Mount Sinai. He received the law. He came back with the law. Now, right here in this text, he starts unfolding what God wants them to do, what God wants the children of Israel to do. He lays out the law. And in verse 24, he says, Then Moses came and he recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, that is an oath of obedience. That is a covenant of obedience. That's a commitment. That's a pledge made to God. I want you to follow me here. So in that sense, the people made a covenant. The people said, all the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Then Moses, verse 4, said, and Moses wrote down the words of the Lord. First, he gave them verbally. Then he wrote them down. Now, in ancient times, how did they seal a covenant? They seal a covenant with the blood, with blood. A covenant is sealed with blood. So Moses slaughtered the animals. You go on and read verse 6 and verse 7. He slaughtered the animals and he sprinkled half of the blood on the altar. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the people. Moses got all of his servants, all of his aides, to go through all the crowds after he slaughtered the animals. And he sprinkled the people with the blood. And verse 8, it says this. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in according to all these words. So in this moment, a covenant was made. Amen. A covenant was made. God said, here is my law. Obey my law and you will be blessed. Now, that's God's part of the promise. And the people said, this is the people's um, part of it. We will obey and do what you have told us to do. That's our part, to seal the covenant both ways. Blood was poured out on the altar, representing God's commitment. And then the other half of the blood was sprinkled on the people, representing their commitment to the oath that they have made. And that's what Peter has in mind here. So if you keep that in your mind, and as we go back to 1 Peter, when you came to Christ, when you came to Jesus, 
Christ promised you blessings and and grace, and he promised you mercy and forgiveness, and and he promised you hope and joy and salvation and all these good things. He says, I promise you these things. He made his part of the promise. He fulfilled his part of the promise by giving his life, offering his blood, and that's what was his side. Now, our part of the promise, our part of the covenant is that we are supposed to obey Jesus Christ, which is just another way of saying to confess our sin before the Lord. And it is as at that moment, symbolically, the blood is sprinkled upon us. Just as it was sprinkled on the children in the Old Testament where they made a covenant with God, when we confess our sin before God, it is that It is as though the blood of Christ is sprinkled upon us. Now we have that part of the covenant to to uphold. That's our part. Just as the children of Israel in Exodus. So salvation is a covenant of obedience. Amen? So in our case, it is not the blood of animals, but it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In our case, that's the blood is sprinkled upon. Now, if you think sometimes, I think sometimes we celebrate grace out of balance. And I think that even during this year, our faith in God has fallen out of balance. No, 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 no. It, it, it seems to be, if it's been a while since you renewed your covenant of commitment with the Lord, Because that is something that we should do on a regular basis. We should reaffirm the commitment, the covenant that we have made with the Lord. Amen. This would be a good time for you you to do that. The last Sunday of the year, it would be a good time for you to renew your covenant of commitment to the Lord. This is a, a part of the commitment. Christ has not reneged from his commitment. Amen. He still upholds his commitment. And I know sometimes we struggle being obedient. I know that that happens to us, but that's okay. God will understand because every time we sing, sing about the lordship of Jesus Christ, we are renewing our covenant of commitment. Every time we pray, we are renewing our covenant of commitment to the Lord. We are being obedient, amen? So the first thing, remember who owns you. Secondly, you need to renew your covenant of commitment. The third thing I want to say is that you need to remain faithful to biblical convictions. Let's go back to our text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. This is a very, very important statement. He says, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. Literally, the text is saying, tie up all the loose ends in your life. Come on, somebody. Come on, Baltimore, you hearing that? Tie up the loose ends. Remain faithful to biblical convictions. That's a lot that we need to remember. After, after we, he's saying here, come on, be strong in your faith, be strong in your walk. Here's a question that I need to ask. What are the loose ends in your life that's flying in the wind? that the enemy can take hold of and use against you. We need to tie those loose ends up, tie the loose ends together. Uh, Peter said, gird up your loins. The King James said, everything that's loose, that's, you know, it's like you see the old Roman soldiers, they used to have this, uh, something like a skirt 
with, you know, with loose things. And when they were ready to go into battle, they will take those loose ends and they will just tie them up tight. Because if they are loose, that means that the enemy can take hold of them and use them for his advantage. So Peter is telling us here in our text, he says, tie up the loose ends in your life that has come loose, flapping in the wind. Tie them up. Get them, get them all fast and tight so that the enemy cannot use them against you. Amen? All the loose ends, you know, I know it's hard sometimes when we are running in our lives to, you know, to always have things in order, but God wants us to gird up our loins, be faithful to your biblical conviction. In chapter 2 of Peter, the verse, it says here, you know, the biblical convictions, 1 Peter chapter 2 says, put aside all kakia. Kakia is evil or malice. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to your salvation. That is what it's saying to all of us. You know, like a baby. When a baby comes home from the hospital, the baby doesn't care about, about the color of the drapes. The baby doesn't care about the wallpaper. The baby doesn't care about the crib and how big or how beautiful it is. The baby wants one thing and one thing alone. What is that? Milk. Give the baby milk and deal with everything else after that. I know mothers, you feel you have prepared such a beautiful room for your child, and you think that the child should be appreciative of all of the beautiful, you know, the balloons and everything. No, the baby, the child wants one thing, and one thing only, that is milk. When you come to Christ, that is what should be that, the center of your heart. Amen? Milk. Peter is saying here in the same way a baby has a single passion for milk, so we as believers should have a single passion for the Word of God. How do you do that? How do you get that? You get into a connect group. You get into a, 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 a destiny college, and you begin to have fellowship one with another. You get into the Word. You read the Word. When you read the Bible, you get information. That's the first thing you get. You get information. You come to understand what it says, and then from there, you move on from, from, an, from information, and you move on. You move on to belief. Information becomes belief. So you move from belief to conviction as you continue to read the Word of God. It starts, it starts, with, it, it starts with information. It goes from information to belief and belief to conviction. Then conviction moves to affection. And then that's where you say like, David, oh, how I love the Word. There's an affection in your heart for God, amen, and for the Word of God. I remember when I first came to faith. Back in the 70s, I, have a I had a desire to know the Word of God, just to read the Word of God and to get that information. But that was not enough. I needed more than just information. I need to be able to look into the Word of God and be able to understand what it's saying. So when someone asks me a question, I can answer with relative intelligence what the Word of God is saying. So I started to get deeper and deeper into the Word. This is back in the early 70s, and that was not enough. I needed to be able not only to read the Word and to get information and to, you know, to understand what it's saying. To, I wanted to be able to, to teach someone the Word of God. And that was not enough for me. I not only wanted to teach the Word of God, I wanted to get out on the streets in Brooklyn, New York, and, and I wanted to be able to witness the Word of God back in the early 70s. And I did it in Plainfield, did it in Newark, New Jersey. But that still was not enough. I needed to be able to get more of the Word of God that I would not only be able to, 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 to 
feed myself and teach someone and explain it to someone and witness to someone. I wanted to get more, get deeper. So from there, I was at a conference. I think it was 1976 at the University of Illinois, Urbana, InterVarsity Conference. And God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go into ministry. I want you to go into ministry. So I, I prayed about it, fasted about it, and left, came back, withdrew from college and went into Bible college because I needed to get more. You see, there must be a progression in your life. There must be a progression where you see that you're moving from one level to another level. So from Bible college, I left there. That was not enough. I wanted to go into, I went to seminary, even though I didn't understand the whole concept of it. I asked other students, what are you going to do after you graduate? They said, I'm going, going to seminary. I said, okay, great. I'm going to go too. So I went to seminary. And I got some information there, got more. And it was a growing. And after that, I came to Maryland to work with my mentor in the pastoral position there in Columbia. That's how we happened to be in, to get to Columbia. But then after a while, that was not, a, not enough for me. I wanted to move from there. I wanted to go out and plant churches. So I left from there after I asked them to release me. Went after that and started to plant churches. You see, there must be a passion. There must be a press. There must be a desire to want to know more. To want to know more. I want to close with this. It's so important, this passage in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and it says to us, it says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Now, this is a message here is not just for men, but for all believers. How do men act? They're supposed to be strong. We as believers, we all should be strong. Now I'll show you where, the, where, where Paul got this from. Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is where he drew this passage from. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, meaning the enemy, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. You got to know that God is by your side. You can enter 2021 and you don't have to be afraid of a pandemic. You don't have to be afraid what comes into your life because God is with us. God is with us, and you can go there. Moses said that to Joshua. Joshua said it to his people. David said it to his men. David said it to Solomon. Be courageous, be strong. God will be with us. I believe if we follow these principles, these, these, these steps that I've just shared with you, you can Enter 2021, and you can handle anything. I say anything that the enemy throws at us. Know who owns you. We are not our own. Remember, renew the covenant, renew the commitment that we made to the Lord, and remain faithful. Remain faithful 
to that commitment that you have made, faithful to biblical truths, strong in your faith. Walk earnestly, diligently. Don't matter what the enemy brings your way. Remain faithful to the word of God. Remain faithful to the commitment that you have made. God will stand and uphold his part of the covenant. We have to remain faithful to our side of the covenant. And he says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk. It is time for spiritual reset. It's time for spiritual reset. Every head bow. You made a commitment to the Lord that so many things came down the pathway of your life this year. Many are still at home, would love to be back in fellowship outside as we used to. That's where our growth came. That's where our our, our, our desire for God's learning and drawing from one another. And I want to say to you that, yes, the tsunami came through. You need to examine the foundations of your faith to see where you are, to see what has been broken, what has been weakened. So as you focus right now, just ask the Lord, Lord, what is it in my life that has, been, that has come loose? What is it that I need to gird up my lungs with so that I can be stronger and God not be caught unaware for anything that will happen in 2021? It's time for you to hit that reset button in your heart. Recommit to the Lord that which you have vowed in the covenant agreement that you've made. I want you to pray after me. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord, this is the greatest time that you can start. You can hit that reset button to start a new life, a new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter where you are in your, in your life, if you hit that reset button, that God can give you a new beginning from today. Pray this, pray after me. Those of you who know Jesus Christ, you're resetting your life and those who are coming into faith for the first time. Lord Jesus, let's all do it together. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done in bringing me into salvation. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me of my sin and for cleansing me, washing me with your blood. Lord Jesus, in faith, I hit the reset button of my relationship with you. And I will start afresh, a new walk. For those of you who don't know him, Lord Jesus, I accept you and I ask that you will come into my life. Receive me as your Lord. You are my Lord. Come into my heart. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make this a new life and a new walk. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give him praise, somebody. Give him praise. 
Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.